Welcome to the Mountain Park Church Podcast. We're excited to share this week's message with you. Our mission is to allow God to work in and through us, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has been working in or through you. Email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in and through you. It's so amazing to see what God has been doing. And today, I just want to give you a little bit of a state of the union as to what God has been up to in our life, in the life of our church. He's been working powerfully in people's lives. And over the last two years, since we kind of hit this reset button and started this new thing that we're doing, There's countless stories of how God is impacting people's lives and he's changing them and transforming them. One of the very first things when this started that that I believe that God was setting as a marker for us, a cultural marker, was the pursuit of his presence. I actually carried this deep conviction from God that, that his presence was the first and most important thing for us to pursue as a church. It's actually probably our greatest cultural value, part of our DNA, is that we desire presence over performance. We're not looking to perform for God. We're not looking to perform on the stage. We're not looking for a big show. We desire his presence more than we do performing for him. And we desire encounter with him more than entertainment. That's the first stone that God laid in the foundation of what he's been doing. And part of our mission statement is to allow Jesus to work in and through us. I want to just talk to you and share a few stories about how Jesus has been working in and what he's actually inviting us to do. And as we start, I just want to invite you to turn with me to Exodus 35 if you have a Bible. Exodus 35, I was reflecting on this earlier this week in in part of my just personal devotion time. And I was reminded this is a story. So the Israelites have just come out of Egypt. God has parted the Red Sea for them. They've come out of slavery. They're in the wilderness and they're wondering kind of what's next? What's next, God? What are you going to do? And they're coming out of Uh, hundreds and hundreds of years under the occupation of the Egyptian government and the Egyptian people. They've been uh, practicing uh, religious practice the way that the Egyptians do. Everything in their life has been learned through their time under slavery there. And as soon as God brings them out miraculously, one of the first things he does is he said, I need to reset you to pursue my presence first above anything else. I need to hit a hard reset because you've conditioned yourselves and you've been in a cultural and societal place where you've you've invited and tainted the practices that I've asked you to do with everything from around you. You've picked up a little bit here and you've picked up a little bit there. And the first thing God does is say, I wanna reset you to understand that my presence is the first thing that you need to pursue. And so as a part of that, God begins to talk to Moses about how to build a a tabernacle, as they called it, 
back then in the ancient Near East, how to build a tabernacle that would host his presence. See, God was so passionate to reconnect with his people. God was so passionate. His passion, that same passion he had when he created Adam and Eve and would walk with them through the garden, the same relationship that he had with them, he was longing to rekindle that. And in this point in time, in this period of history, God was using this tabernacle as a place to meet with them, to reconnect relationally with them. As he's about to give instructions for the building of the tabernacle, the tent of meeting, as it's also called, maybe in your Bible, it says this in verse 30, then Moses told the people of Israel, the Lord has specifically chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of the tribe of Judah, grandson of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Get this. So the Lord has filled Bezalel with the spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts. He is a master craftsman, expert in working with gold, silver, and bronze. He is skilled in engraving and mounting gemstones and in the carving wood. He is a master at every craft. And the Lord has given him, both him and Oholiab, son of Ashimach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach their skills to others. The Lord has given them special skills as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth and weavers. They excel as craftsmen and as designers. I love this idea that before God creates this space of connection, this, before he sets the table, he says, there's one thing I have to do first, and that's that I, I need to fill you with my presence. I need to fill you so that you have the capacity to design and create in consistency with my heart. I, I need you to see what I see and hear what I hear. Before anything else, before God asks you to do anything, before he invites you to step out in faith, to try things for him, to, to walk out your calling, before he does any of that, his invitation first is to live in his presence, be filled with who he is, allow that filling to completely overflow your whole body. I brought another object here. Thanks, Pam. She didn't even know she was sitting on a cucumber. <laughs> I didn't mean for you to do that. I was studying this word filled, and oftentimes we think that it's just that God wants to fill one little part of us, and so we, we think of ourselves like this kind of container, and that God just wants to fill our heart, or God just wants to fill one little section of us, or maybe God wants to fill the inside of us, 
But we see from this story in Exodus that not only does he want to fill us on the inside, he wants what he's doing on the inside to ooze out. He wants it to come out in our creativity. He wants it to come out in our passion. He wants it to come out in our gifting. He wants to fill us so that the expression of who he is, what he looks like, what he sounds like, what his heartbeat is, comes out of us. And so when he's filling us, it's like he's pickling us. I remember as a kid, we had some friends in Port Rowan when we lived in Simcoe, and I think they were cucumber farmers, right? The Sudermans, is that correct, Dad? They were cucumber farmers, and I remember walking through their cucumber farm one time, looking at these cucumbers, and I remember Mr. Suderman saying, yeah, these are going off to be pickled. I said, what are you talking about? They're cucumbers. You buy, you buy pickles in a store. What do you need these for? He said, no, Andrew. Like, when these are pickled, they become cucumbers. And I just had that, ah, moment, right? And God is saying what he wants to do is he wants to transform us from one nature to another nature. He wants to do something so deep and radical in us. It's like going from a cucumber to a pickle. It's being immersed in his brine, so to speak. Flaxic. Anyway, I don't know why I just did that. These look kind of gross in here, actually. But anyway, what he wants to do when he fills us is immerse us so deeply in himself, in his presence, that it not only changes us in one little part, but our whole nature becomes different. That our whole character becomes different that that brine that starts on the outside, the skin of the cucumber, if that's what it's called. See, I don't eat vegetables often. <laughs> the skin of the cucumber, that brine, that it, it breaks through that and then it begins to seep into the inside and soon you can't distinguish one from the other. Soon that pickle becomes totally transformed. And in the same way, God is saying, what I want to do first in you it's changed you. Under the weight of my presence, I want to immerse you. I want to fill you in a new way so that it's not just one part of you, but the whole being. One of the women in our church, one of the leaders, she said, it's like, it's like the presence of God starts coming out of your skin even. It's like all around you that where you walk, it rubs off on the people that are around you. That as you are walking into situations and when you're walking into hostile family environments and when you're walking into work environments that are less than ideal, it's this presence that you've been so filled in, so immersed in, that begins to rub off on other people. And it's not that you have to say anything. It's actually just the nature of God that's coming out from the inside. And in the same way, God is saying with these craftsmen and building his temple, look, I want to fill you. I want to take what you're gifted at and what you're good at. And I want to turn it into something supernatural. But the starting point is my presence and my filling. As a church, we've just been on this journey to say, God, we want you first. I have nothing to offer you, not a single thing. 
apart from what I see God doing and what I hear him speaking. I am only as useful as my ability to communicate what I see and hear from him. I'm not bringing my own skills to the table here. Lord knows they're not good enough. But my prayer for my life is that I would be so filled, that I would be so immersed that my whole nature is changed, not just a little part of me, not just the Sunday morning part of me, but my whole character and nature are transformed by God into something that carries his presence without me even opening my mouth. We've been seeing this happen with our kids. As we've been pursuing God up here, we've been inviting our kids to do the same. We believe there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no like entry level. God just is God and he pours himself out on the young and old. So I just wanted to invite Pam up here. Pam is on our staff and she leads our whole kids ministry with a great team. And I thought it'd be better for you to hear from her the kinds of things that God is doing as our kids encounter the presence of Jesus. So come on up, Pam. That was your cue, like, when I said your name two times ago. But <laughs> She's staring at the pickles. I'll take them down so you're not distracted by them. <laughs> Thanks. I miss that cue. <laughs> but um, good morning, everyone. How is everyone doing today? Um, I was uh, super excited when... Pastor Andrew said that um, I could share a little bit about what's been happening in kids' ministry this last year and a half, two years. Um, and I was really thinking about what to share because there's been so much happening, so many exciting things um, going on. And I know we have limited time, so if you want to hear more, just come talk to me later because talking about kids' ministry is one of my favorite things to talk about. Um, so I just first wanted to just say that um, this year has been really a very challenging year for, um, for me personally. And, um, whoa, whoa, sorry. <laughs> okay. Now I'm going to have to picture everyone in their underwear so I don't cry. <laughs> so, okay. Got it? All right, I got it. Okay. So, um, but I did want to say that even though this year has been difficult, um, that this ministry, this church and doing kids ministry here has been literally the greatest joy in my life. And I feel like so many of the things that God has taught me personally, he's taught me through um, the ministry here and things that we've been doing. Um, one of the things that I feel like God's really taught me is about trusting him. And I think if you had asked me before, like, do you trust God? I would say, of course I do. Of course I trust God. But there's been so many evidences in my life that I don't really trust him in the way that he's deserving, in the capacity that I can trust. And um, that has, has taught me a lot in this kids' ministry because we've started, you know, from humble beginnings here. We didn't have a lot happening. We didn't have a team. We, our facility wasn't the most spectacular downstairs. I'm not sure if any of you had the privilege of being down there pre-renovation, but it was like a scary basement church, not like the fun basement church. And um, I've just been blown away with every need that we've had in kids ministry. God has not only met that need, but met it in a way that 
has blown me away. I feel like I've gone to God with trepidation sometimes saying, you know, you know, if, if we could have somebody to help with like administration, God, that would be super helpful to me. But like, I know, you know, not everyone likes that. It's totally fine. Like I'll take anybody really, anyone that can work a computer is fine. And then, you know, um, and then comes Aaron Bice, who is literally the most high functioning, highest capacity organized person that I personally know. And like, I'm just blown away that she, all that she does for our ministry. And she's literally been a, such a blessing to us. She has brought us so far on that end of things in even such a short amount of time. And I just love you, Erin. I love Erin. She's such a rock in our ministry. And I feel so blessed that God would bring her here and bring her on this team because she's not even what I asked for. Like I would have taken somebody way less capable, but I feel like God has really blessed us with her. Um, another volunteer that I'm so grateful for is Trish Andres. We, when we started talking about maybe doing kids worship downstairs, like I have my limits and I, that is a limit for me. So I, I don't think the kids would be excited if I was doing worship down there. I can't do actions or dance because I went to this gym class a couple years ago and was scarred because the, um, the leader of the gym class told me that I was the least coordinated person he's ever met in his life. So I was like, what do you mean? I didn't think I was doing that bad. So I don't have the confidence to do kids worship and lead actions because I realize that's not my strength. I'm just going to stay in my lane. But I know that's also something that, you know, maybe not everybody could do. And that was something that, again, I just came to God like, you know, if you know, if you could, but if not, that's fine. We could just do like a video or something. And then I don't know if any of you have ever seen Trish lead worship for kids, but she is amazing. And she's been such a huge blessing. And I just am so blown away with the way that God's provided that need. Um, just with other general volunteers, it seems like whenever we have a need and we ask, it's just immediately being filled. Our basement, I don't know if you've had a chance to go down there, but that space is so exciting and so awesome and was done um, so well. And we're so grateful for that. And I originally just went to Pastor Andrew and Pastor Herman. I was like, you know, if we could just paint it and maybe rip up like that barfy stained carpet the smells better that's all I was really hoping for but now it's amazing down there and the kids have such a great time down there and we're able to do so much because of the way that God has just blessed us financially we were able to do that without going into any debt or that was just money that we had had in the bank which is so incredible um and being able to have the team built up and even have a space that works has allowed us to do what's really exciting for me, and that is um, really impacting the kids one-on-one -on -one in, in the way that God is showing us. Um, I really love your kids, like a lot. I love them. I think about these kids all week. I'm remembering when they say that they had, you know, a test at school or they had a birthday party. I'm thinking, oh, I wonder how that went. And I love Sunday mornings. It's the easiest morning for me to get out of bed. I love coming here and spending time with the kids and um, all of the things that God has been 
showing us about these kids and the opportunities that we've been having. Um, one quick little story I just wanted to tell you was um, about a year ago, we had a little boy who came, who started coming to our church, and his family situation was really difficult. Um, there was a lot of challenges in the family, and he was only about eight years old, and sort of what he'd endured already up to that point was really heartbreaking. Um, but he loved coming, and this kid had such a, a good heart and would come and be excited and participate. And one morning, there was a little tussle between him and another boy. There was a misunderstanding about a toy, and all of a sudden, I just heard this big explosion of, of cursing, swearing, yelling, then there's crying. So I basically had to separate them out of the room because it was very volatile. And um, kind of what happened, we worked through it, recognized that it was a misunderstanding. The one boy had apologized and went back in the room. And the other child who had had this anger explosion, you know, I just felt like just to sit down with him, just to take a minute, not worry about going on with the morning. And I just said to him, like, Bud, like, what's, what's up? Like, what's going on? And he kind of was still very angry. And he was like, well, did you see what that kid did? And I was so angry and blah, blah, blah. And, and I was like, that's, that's fine. Like, I understand that, that you're angry. But when we're angry, that's not the way that we treat each other. And then it was like instantly the anger turned into sadness. And he just started weeping and sobbing uncontrollably. And he said, I know, Miss Pam, I'm so sorry. I'm a really bad boy. Everybody knows that you don't know how I really am. My mom can't control me. My teachers can't control me. Everybody knows that I'm a bad boy. And I try really hard and I don't know why I do this. And he was kind of going on. And he said, I, but I'll never change because I try so hard and I can never change. I can't control my anger. And when he told me that, I actually felt mad inside. I felt mad that he believed that lie. And I was just like, no, no devil, not today. That is not, that lie is not going to be spoken and standing today. And so it was so amazing just to, to see him and just talk to him. And I just said to him, that is a lie. That is not who you are. You are not a bad boy. You are the opposite. God made you. You are special. You are smart. I've seen how kind you are, how loving and generous you are. And sometimes when we're frustrated and angry, it is tempting to act out in a, in a sinful way. But with the Holy Spirit's help, you can absolutely conquer that. You are not a bad boy. You're an amazing child of God. And God has created you for great things. You're not going to say that again. I don't, don't ever say that again, that you're a bad boy. Don't ever say that you can't change. Because with God's help, you can change anything in your life. Nothing is too big for God. God has ultimate power and authority over any situation. And he, yeah, it's true. <clears throat> and he was really just like, you could just see it kind of like melt down. And, and then I just asked him, do you want to pray and just ask for forgiveness for the things that you said that you didn't mean? And he said, yes. And we prayed together. And um, it was so sweet because then after he said, is it okay if I call you Auntie Pam? <laughs> sure, of course. So, um, so, and he he came for about a year after that, and really, his parents even said when he was there, it was like he was a different child. And I really believe it's because he felt 
like he could be who God created him to be, that it was a safe place to make mistakes, but to know that there was forgiveness. And, um, and that his family has since relocated, so they don't live in the area anymore, and he doesn't come here. But I think about him often, and I think about what a privilege we have to, um, to spend time with these kids, right? Like, we have no idea what is going on in kids' lives. And sometimes when we ask downstairs, does anyone need prayer? You know, I'm just hoping it's like my sister's annoying, but it's not. Sometimes it is. There's a lot of brother-sister prayer requests. But <laughs> most of the time, too, there's serious things that the kids are dealing with that they say things. And I literally have to be like, don't cry, don't cry, don't cry. Because it's it's big and it's it's really, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of stress that kids have in their life and they come and they need to hear that truth because in the world, we know that we're not hearing the truth, right? And I've thought of that if the lies I've believed about myself, what if when I was seven, eight, you know, I had people really being the audible voice of the Holy Spirit and speaking against that and saying, you are enough. You're not a failure. You're not you're not not smart. You're not not talented. You're not a burden. You're not a stress for your parents. You know, if you had someone speaking life, and that's what we get to do downstairs every morning is, of course, to teach the Bible to the kids, which is the basic what we're doing, which is awesome. But also in these situations, we get to speak life and be um, feel like when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to speak something to a child to say, like, you know, I see you. I see that you're a leader. Wow. Like, you're amazing at this, and you're so great at that, and God has a plan for you, and you can just see them light up, and it really does change them. And so I believe in kids' ministry, obviously, so much. I believe that it's about more than just teaching the Bible. I think that it's introducing them to a relationship with the Holy Spirit so that when they leave here they and they encounter something at school, they can access that um, relationship with the Holy Spirit, that someone can try to say to them, God's not real, but if you've had a real encounter with the Holy Spirit, no one can tell you that, right? You don't believe it. You're like, no way, because I know that in this situation, in that situation, God was real. So um, that's just all I really wanted to share. And I just thank you guys so much for the privilege of being with your kids every week. Thanks, Pam. She could have gone for another 20, 30 minutes. She's actually going to be preaching in one of these weeks coming up. God has gifted her as a communicator. I would just want you to know as part of the, the fruit of what they're doing down there, this year we were able to baptize 22 people. And there were a number of kids from kids' ministry that actually asked if they could be baptized. And what a privilege for our team, for Pam, actually, um, to be able to baptize some of them. And there's some of those images there that, um, that you can see that just highlight and demonstrate what it's like when God actually gets a hold of our kids. And they realize how loved they are. And the friendship of God that's available, it's amazing. We've been on this journey to start with the presence of God. And it's been 
happening in different ways. It's been happening in our kids' space. It's been happening through baptism. It's also been happening through ministry time. And I want to invite Lori to come on up. This is Lori O'Connor. Let's just welcome her as she comes. I need that other microphone. And Lori has an incredible story from the revival nights back in October of what happens and what can happen when you encounter the presence of God. And um, specifically, Lori, you had mentioned to us that you'd been struggling with an addiction to smoking. So when did that start for you? So you had mentioned to me that even the week before Revival Nights, that God had started to speak to you. What was he saying to you? So fast forward a week to Revival Weekend, Revival Nights Weekend in October. What happened uh, that weekend as you were kind of in the presence of God? What happened? Amazing. So from that night, you haven't smoked since that weekend, right? Amazing. So Jesus set you free from that. But just talk to us a little bit about what he's been showing you and speaking to you about yourself since that time. Like a minute. (laughs) Thank you. 
Amazing. Um, I think it was a few months ago when uh, you had been talking with Pastor Brenda about this, and she just was reiterating part of your conversation to me and saying that with that distraction removed in your life, that God had begun to just show you so much more about himself and yourself. And I think that um, what's so amazing about God is that he can so adequately fill all of those spaces in our life. And um, we're so grateful for what he's done in your life, Lori. Yes, <laughs> saving a lot of money now, probably. <laughs> but uh, can we just pray for you? Yeah, Jesus, we just thank you for Lori and her courage to even come and tell her story. And Father, I just ask in the name of Jesus that you would continue to reveal yourself and your heart to her. Father, I ask um, and pray that you would be more than enough for her. Jesus, that you would satisfy every longing and desire of her heart, that she would find her fulfillment in you and in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, Lori. Thank you. It's so amazing what Jesus can do when you just actually step into his presence. Um, and we've been seeing this over and over. I'm just curious. I want to give like just a minute or two. We've had some pretty significant uh, prayer times after our services. Last week, um, even last night, God gave us a specific word for those with some sleep disorders and whatnot. Um, in just like a minute, I'm going to ask the guys to come. Brenda, can you grab this? If you have the courage, and God has been doing something specifically related to some of the ministry time here, if he's answered a prayer, or if he's healed you in any way, and you have the courage, and you'd like to actually um, testify about that, let us know. Would you be willing to do that? Is there anybody who would be willing to share? Ah, that was like super quick. That's amazing. Tina, amazing. Amazing. So we'll be able to keep going as 
Mm. Amazing. Is there anyone else, just really quickly, that would be willing to share? Anybody? Was anybody here last night? Ah, yeah. Right up front here. Um, was anybody here last night as we go over there that actually had an amazing sleep for the first time in like ever? Okay, awesome. We'll go there next. Maybe just give us your name and... All right, I think the phone's off. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Thanks, Angelica. So yesterday morning, in my own quiet time, um, I was reading in Leviticus 26.6, and I read this, and I just stopped on a dime. It says, I will give you peace in the land, and you will be able to sleep with no cause for fear. And in that moment, so clearly, I just sensed the Holy Spirit saying, tonight, which was last night, I want to give people freedom from sleep disorders, sleep apnea, from night terrors, from all of the things that are robbing them from their sleep. And it's just the way that Jesus works. I never would have planned that. Nobody ever plans that. But it's just the way that God works. He knows what you need. He knows what we need. 
And he knows as a church what we need. And his invitation to us is just, would you come into my presence and allow me to lead you? The second part of our mission statement is that God would work not just in us, but through us. And if you want to look at it on your own, I'm not going to talk about it, but Acts chapter 10 and 11 is a story where God uses Peter. He invites Peter to partner with him for the very first time in history to bring the gospel to the Gentile nations. This was an assignment for Peter that led to the explosion of the worldwide church all over the world, people from every nation and language and tribe and tongue accepting the gospel because Jesus invited Peter to walk with him. He had powerfully worked in Peter and now he was inviting him to allow him to work through him. And God has been working through people at this church like crazy. I just want to invite the team that was just in Mexico, a few of you to come on up here. We had a team that just came back from Mexico um, recently. Come on up guys, wherever you are. Eli's here, amazing. Um, And we just wanted them to share just really quickly. There was 19 uh, of them that went there. What it was like for God to actually not only be working in them, but through them. That was very slick, Harrison, very good. Yeah, I'm too old to try that now. It would break my nose. So, um, yes. I don't know who wants to go, but we would, everybody's running away from the microphone. (laughs) So I guess it's you and your wife, Rachel's literally hiding behind. Um, So this is, uh, we won't introduce everybody, but the Gosins and Bices. And I just want you to tell us just maybe one story of what God was doing, uh, not only in you, but as you actually went there and allowed him to work through you what was the impact in your own personal lives? We did talk about this before, a little bit. <laughs> you know, we, we go as a group of 19. Um, half of us know how to build a house. Part of us don't know how to do that. But it's amazing how God um, works through you and allows you to become a carpenter and a painter. And uh, yeah. When you guys um, handed over the keys to that home, so they built a home for a family in a few days there. Um, when you handed the keys over, what, what were you experiencing in that moment? Amazing. Thanks, guys.
Erin, do you want to talk? No? Okay. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Did you notice how fast they started actually getting off the stage? All right, you guys can go. <laughs> so our heart is actually that we take what God is doing in us and allow it to flow through us. And we have, uh, I'm going with a few people in a couple of weeks to Malawi in Africa and to Germany. Um, but God is just doing something here. One of the other ways that he's stirring in you and in I is in an area of our finances. I just want to give you like a 30,000 foot view of what he's been doing because he's been actually deeply working in people's hearts and in their lives. Um, in the area of our, our finances as a church, and it's just another area that God works in us and through us. Since we started two years ago, it's our two-year birthday today, like we said, two years ago, God has done incredible things. I just want to show you sort of our average offering from last year and a bit of the comparative on that. Um, this last year, our average offering was right around $10,000, 10507 In 2016, when we kind of started this, it was right around the $2,000 mark. God has been growing us and growing our faith together. That's a 255% increase. The first six weeks of this year, the average across those six weeks has actually been $14,000. That's not including our big year-end giving. That's just our week-to-week -week giving. God has been working not only in you, but it's been coming through you as you partner with us. And we're so grateful. Next one, guys. The next one is um, a 407% increase in total giving. You can see those were the annual um, budget numbers that came in. And actually 2018 is higher. It's actually 801,000. So in two years, we've gone from 155,000 to $801,000 last year. That's an increase in people capacity of 224%. But what's most amazing is of that increase of people, God's call in his heart for us to practice irrational generosity is beginning to sink in and people are giving 56% more just Again, releasing what they have to God, which is enabling us, you'll see, to do some pretty incredible things. Next one. This year, what that release has meant is that in 2018, we gave $110,000 away to ministries outside of our church. We decided at the beginning of the year that we were going to practice irrational generosity. We weren't going to ask you to give without us giving. So we gave 15%, 14 or 15% of everything that you gave, we actually just sent it on out of here. And in the last year, we've been able to actually extravagantly bless people. People in this church who needed emergency help, we were able to extravagantly bless them. One of the ones that I'm most proud of is on our giveaway Sunday, last December, we told you we were taking an offering for a pastor and his family in our city. And you gave $16,645 to that. 
Amazing. I had the privilege to take that check that week, have coffee with him, put it in a card, and slide it across the table and said, this, is, this has no strings attached to it. This is what God wanted us to bless you with. Because of your generosity, because you've been allowing God to work in you and through you, we've been able to release resources that we never dreamed of to help church planting across our nation. We invested $30,000 last year in church planting initiatives across our whole country. God has been blessing us and asking that it just flows through us and out. Look at that number, 110. Two years ago, our whole budget was 150. It's amazing. But this year, I believe, will actually be well above that by the end of the year. Next one. Our planted offering at the end of the year was $255,000. God just blew our mind 25% more than last year. Next one. We have an average of 324 people who, attend, uh, who attended uh, weekly last year. That's 82% growth over the year before. Next one. That's all because we just believe in the presence of God, empowering us and filling us, and then releasing that into the places he's calling us to go. I want to invite you to stand with me. I believe so strongly that Jesus has just so clearly spoken to us. Band, you guys can come up that Jesus has so clearly spoken to us, not to overcomplicate what we call church, not to overcomplicate it with complex programs and structures and systems and to overcomplicate the idea of what it means to be the people of God who get together to allow the presence of God to change them and then invite him to flow through them into all of these spheres and areas of our life. I believe for this next year, he's saying, don't overcomplicate it, just focus on me. If you keep your eyes on me in your family life and you keep your eyes on me in your work life and you keep your eyes on me in your church life and you keep your eyes on me in every part of your life, I'll lead you to places you couldn't imagine. In two years, he's led us to places we couldn't imagine. He's healed people. He's freed people from addiction. He's been working in our children. He's allowed us to go across the world to release his kingdom goodness and faithfulness and his resources. He's allowed us to do it. And it's not because we have these complex church systems and structures. It's because we're just relentlessly trying to pursue the presence of Jesus. I'm desperate to keep my eyes on Jesus. As I drove here today on my favorite drive on the parkway, God just, I was just tears streaming down my face saying, I need to see you more clearly. My eyes need to see you. I need to see where you're going. I need to hear what you're speaking because you have the words of life, Jesus. And Jesus wants to speak his words of life over you. He wants to bring you hope where there's been hopelessness and peace where there's been turmoil. 
Jesus has the words of life, and if you just put your eyes on him and trust him, he'll lead you. As a church, I cannot commit to anything other than that. I don't know what things are going to look like in six months. I don't know what else he wants to do in your life and in my life. But I can tell you that with everything in me, my heart is to want to be obedient to what he's asking us to do. So when he invites us to pray for people for healing, for sleep disorders, we're going to do it. And when he invites us to pray for people for healing on a Sunday, we're going to do it. And when he invites us to invite people in salvation, we're going to do it. And when he tells us to declare his goodness, we're going to do it. And when he tells us to take some risks and, and irrationally bless people, we're going to do it. Because I would rather take a risk on Jesus than trust in my own wisdom or strength. I can't lead you anywhere. I can only follow Jesus and encourage you to join me. So in this year, in 2019, my, my plea to you is, my cry to you is, is as I follow him, you follow him and you follow us too. He's faithful to you. He's good and he's kind. He is our living hope. So we're gonna close with this song. And it's a declaration of the hope that we have in Jesus as we celebrate this two years of renewal and restoration it's Jesus that's our hope in our life. He wants to lead you to amazing places. He is your living hope. So Jesus, thank you for the last two years. Thank you for this last year. The way that you astonished us and amazed us with your goodness. The way that you filled us with life. The way that you came through and broke addiction and brought healing. The way that you came through and released people from sin. Jesus, we're so grateful that we follow a good shepherd and a great king. We're so thankful for everything you've done in us, for every gift that you've poured out on us, for every blessing found in the heavenly places is ours because of you, Jesus. You are our living hope. You're the light of our life. You're our salvation and goodness. You are faithful and true. And so, Jesus, we're grateful and we ask that as we keep our eyes on you in this next year, as we keep our eyes on you toward our third birthday, we ask that you, God, would lead us into places of freedom and life and hope and joy, that the heaviness of this world would just fade away as we cast our cares on you. Jesus, that you would work powerfully in our midst. We hope that you are challenged and inspired by what you heard today and that you're willing to allow God to work in and through your life in bigger ways this week. We'd love to stay connected with you on social media, facebook.com slash mountainparkchurch and instagram.com slash mountainparkchurch. Finally, if you have a story of how God has been working in and through you, we'd love to hear it. Just email us at mystory@mp.church and tell us how God has been working in your life lately.